This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. Nikolai Gogol's Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman. October 3rd. Something very... very peculiar happened today. I got up rather late, and when Mavra brought in my clean shoes, I asked her what the time was. Well, when she told me it was long past ten, I rushed to get dressed. To be honest with you, if I'd known the sour look I was going to get from the head of our department when I reached the office, I wouldn't have gone in at all. I, for some time now, he's been saying things like, Oh, you're always in such a muddle, poor Christian. Sometimes you, you rush around like a madman and you make such a mess of your work, well, the devil himself couldn't sort it out. You start paragraphs with small letters, you leave out the date, you sometimes leave out the reference number altogether. Damned old buzzard. Seeing me in the director's office sharpening quills for his excellency must have made him jealous. Well, to cut a very long story short... I wouldn't have gone to the office in the first place if there hadn't been a good chance of seeing that cashier and making the old miser cough up a small advance somehow or another. What a man! The last judgment will be upon us before you get a month's pay out of him in advance. Oh, even if you're down to your very last kopeck, you can go on asking until you're blue in the face, but that grey-haired old devil will not give in. I've heard people say, that his own cook slaps him in the face, in his flat. <laughs> the whole world is talking about it. Oh you know, I don't see there's any advantage whatsoever working in our department. No perks at all. Now, it's a different story. In the provincial administration or in the civil or treasury offices, oh yes... You'll see someone sitting there, curled up in a corner, scribbling away, and, and he'll be wearing a filthy old frock coat or something. And To be honest, just one look at his mug is enough to make you want to spit. But you should see the country house he rents. <sighs> you just offer him a gilt china cup. All he'll say is, oh, that's what you give a doctor. No, he'll only be satisfied with, I don't know, a pair of racehorses or... A beaver skin or a droshki, you know, that cost 300 rubles. And to look at him, huh, you'd think he was so meek and mild. And, and he talks with such uh, refinement. He'll say, uh, uh, please be so good as to lend me that uh, little knife to sharpen my quills. But just you give him the chance, he will strip any petitioner until there's only the shirt left on his back. I will say one thing. It is quite civilised, working in our department. I mean, um, everything's cleaner than you'll ever see in a, in a provincial office. Um, when we do have mahogany tables, the principals use the polite form of address, you know, but uh, really, I'm being honest, if it weren't for the snob value I would have given in my notice a long, long time ago. Well, anyway, I got up late, as I said, and... Um, I put on my old overcoat, took my umbrella, because it was simply teeming down outside, and there wasn't a soul about, uh, except a few old peasant women, you know, sheltering under their skirts, uh, and some Russian merchants under their umbrellas, one or two messengers as well. As for better-class people, well, there weren't any, except for one of our civil servants. <laughs> now, I spotted him at the crossroads, as soon as I saw him, I said to myself, Oh, well, you're not going to the office, are you, my friend? No, no, you are after that girl dashing along over there, and you're getting a damn good look at her pretty little ankles into the bargain. Ugh! What beasts our civil servants are, really. God, they'd leave any officer standing to get their claws into anything that goes past in a bonnet. Well... While I was engrossed with these thoughts, a carriage drew up in front of a shop I happened to be passing. Now, I saw at once this was our director's. 
well, he couldn't be wanting anything in there, I thought, so he must have called it for his daughter. Well, I flattened myself against the wall, and a footman opened the carriage door. Out she fluttered, just like a little bird. Oh, the way she looked, first to the left, then to the right, with her eyes and her little eyebrows flashing past. God in heaven, I thought. <laughs> I'm lost. I am lost forever. Strange, really, that she should venture out in all that rain. I mean, just you try and tell me women aren't obsessed with clothes. <laughs> yeah, she didn't recognise me, fortunately. I, I tried to muffle myself up as best I could because my overcoat, besides being covered pretty much all over in stains, had gone out of fashion quite some time ago. Nowadays, they're all wearing those um, coats with the long collars, but mine were short, one over the other, you know. And you couldn't really say the cloth had been waterproofed, either. Now, her little dog wasn't quite quick enough to nip into the shop after her and had to stay out in the street. Well, I had seen that dog before. She's called... Medgy. I hadn't been there more than a, a minute when I heard a faint little voice. Hello, Medgy. I never... Who was it talking? I couldn't see anyone. Then I looked around and I saw two ladies walking along under a large umbrella. One was old, but her companion was quite young. Now, they'd already gone past when I heard that voice again. Shame on you, Medgy. What was going on, for heaven's sake, I thought. Then I saw Midgey sniffing around a little dog that was following the two ladies. There. I thought to myself, well, well this can't be true. Well, you must be drunk. And the truth is, I, I hardly ever drink. And then, no, Fidele, you're quite mistaken. I mean, with my very own eyes, I actually saw Midgey mouth those words. And then she said, I've been... Ar very ill. Arr, arr. Oh, you nasty little dog. I mean, I'll confess, I will confess, I was staggered to hear the little mutt speak, just like a, just like a human. But afterwards, when I had time to think about it, I realised it wasn't so strange after all. You know, several similar cases have been reported. It's said that uh, in England, I think it is, a fish swam to the surface and said... Two or three words in such a strange language. The professors have been racking their brains for three years now, trying to discover what it was, and still, so far, without any success. <laughs> so there you go. But, uh, I tell you, I was more startled at what happened next. I heard Meji say, I did write to you, Fidele. Polkan couldn't have delivered my letter. <laughs> I mean, I would stake my life. That is what the dog said. Well, now, come on. I mean, a dog talking is one thing, but who has ever heard of a dog that can write? I mean, let's be honest, only noblemen know how to write correctly. Of, of course, you'll always find some traders or shopkeepers, even peasants or serfs who can scribble away, but, you know, they, they write like machines. And no commas, no full stops, and, frankly, no idea of style. Well, as you can imagine, I was astonished at all this. I... I mean, to be frank, quite recently, I have started hearing and seeing things that I have never heard or seen before. And so I said to myself, well, perhaps I'd better follow this dog, find out who she is, you know, what she's thinking about. So I unrolled my umbrella and I followed the two ladies. We crossed Gorokovaya Street, turned left into Meschanskaya Street and then Stolyanaya Street until we came to Kokushkin Bridge, and we stopped in front of a large house. Now, I know this house. I thought to myself, yes, it's Zverkov's. God, what a dump. Oh, everybody seems to live there, you know. Crowds of cooks, foreigners, civil servants, and they live just like dogs, one on top of each other. It's horrible. A friend of mine, who plays the trumpet very well, used to live there. Anyway, the ladies went up to the fifth floor. Fine, I thought. I shan't go in right now, but I'll make a note of the address and I'll come back 
as soon as I have a moment to spare. October 4th. Today is Wednesday, and that is why I went to see the head of our department in his office. <laughs> I made sure I got there very early, sat down to sharpen all the quills. Now, our director must be a very clever man. I mean, his study is crammed full of books. Shelves and shelves of the things. I read some of their titles. The Erudition. The Scholarship. Quite above the head of any ordinary civil servant. All in French. Or in German. And, you know, you should look into his face and see the deep seriousness that gleams in his eyes. Oh, you know, I have yet to hear our director use one single word more than is absolutely necessary. For example, <clears throat> he might perhaps ask, as you handed him some papers, What's the weather like? And you might reply, um, Damp today, Your Excellency. No, no, you can't compare him with your ordinary clerk. He's a true statesman. May I say, however, I do believe he has a special fondness for yours truly... Oh, if only his daughter had... The oh, scum that I am. Never mind about that. Um, <clears throat> yes, I've been reading a book called The Little Bee. Oh, they're a crazy lot, those French. I mean, what do they want? God, I think they all need a damn good flogging. There was a very good account of a ball written by a landowner from Kursk. Oh, they certainly know how to write, those, uh, those landowners from Kursk. Now... At that moment, I noticed it was already gone 12.30 and that our director still hadn't left his bedroom. But about 1.30, something happened that no pen could adequately describe. The door opened. Now, I thought it was the director, so obviously I leapt up, clutching my papers. But it was her. I mean, herself in person. Oh, holy fathers, how she was dressed... She was like a swan, all in white. Oh, the magnificence. And when she looked at me, my word, it was like the sun shining. I swear. Well, she, uh, she nodded, and she looked straight at me, and she said, Has Papa been here? Oh, what a voice. Like a canary, I just like... A little canary. I felt like saying to her, <clears throat> Your Excellency, don't have me put to death, I beg you, but if that is your wish, then let it be by your own noble hand. <laughs> but what happened was I was almost struck dumb-blasted and all I managed to mumble was, uh, 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 No, miss. And she looked at me and then at the books and dropped her handkerchief. Well, I, obviously, I threw myself at the thing and tried to pick it up, but I slipped on the damned parquet floor and nearly broke my nose. I regained my balance, however. I picked up the handkerchief. Oh, heavens, what a handkerchief. It was such, such a fine lawn, you understand? And uh, it smelled just like pure ambergris. You could tell just from the smell alone it belonged to a general's daughter. Well, she thanked me, and she came so very near to smiling that her sweet lips almost parted. And with that, she left. Well, I worked on for about another hour, until a footman suddenly appeared with the message, You can go home now, Aksenti Ivanovich. The master's already left the house. I can't stand that brood of flunkies. They're always sprawled out in the hall, you know, and it's as much as you can do to get one little nod of acknowledgement from them. What's more, one of those pigs once offered me snuff. Snuff! Without even standing up. I felt like saying, don't you know, you ignorant bloody peasant, that I am a civil servant and of noble birth. All the same... Picked up my hat, put my coat on. Myself, of course, because none of those fine gentlemen would dream of helping you. And I left the office. For a very long time, 
I lay on my bed at home. Then I copied out some very fine poetry. <clears throat> An hour without seeing you is like a whole year gone by. How wretched my life's become. Without you, I'll only fret and sigh. Ah, there must be something by Pushkin. In the evening, I wrapped myself up in my overcoat and went to Her Excellency's house. I waited a long time outside the entrance, just to see her get into her carriage once more. But no, she didn't come out. November 6th. The head of the department was in a foul mood. When I got to the office, he called me in and he took this line with me. Will you please tell me what your game is? Why, nothing, I answered. Are you sure? He said. Think hard. You're past 40 now, aren't you, poor Christian? It's time you had a bit more bloody sense. Who do you think you are? Do you really imagine I haven't heard about your tricks? Oh, I know, you've been running after the director's daughter. God, take a good look at yourself, why don't you? What are you? You're nothing. You're an absolute nobody, man. You haven't got a kopeck to bless yourself with. God, just take a look in the mirror, man. Fancy you having thoughts about the general's daughter. Well, to hell with it. His own face puts you in mind of those stupid fat bottles you see in chemist's windows, you know, with that stupid tuft of hair he puts in colours at the top, and the way he holds his head up and smothers his hair in pomade, and struts around thinking he can get away with bloody anything. Ah, now, <laughs> I can understand why he's got it in for me. It's because he's seeing me get preferential treatment in the office, and he's jealous. Well... I don't care a damned hoot about him. Just because he's some court councillor, he seems to think he's Lord God Almighty, you know. <laughs> he lets his gold watch chain dangle outside his waistcoat and he pays uh, 30 roubles for a pair of shoes. Well, he can go to hell! Does he think I'm the son of a commoner? Or something? A tailor? Hmm? Or a non-commissioned officer? I am a gentleman. I could get promotion if I wanted. I'm only 42. I mean, that's no age at all nowadays. In fact, nowadays, that's the age when one's career is only just beginning. Oh, just you wait, my friend, until I'm a colonel or even something higher. God willing, oh yeah, I will acquire more status than you. Where, where did you get this notion that you are the only person around here that we're supposed to look up to? Oh, just give me a coat from Ruth's. Huh? Cut in the latest style. Oh, yeah. I'll knot my tie like so and like so. And I'll wear my polished boots and you won't be fit to clean them. It's just, uh... Well, just I'm a little short of money at the moment. That's all. November the 8th. I went to the theatre tonight. Oh, the play was about the Russian fool, Filatka. Oh, I could not stop laughing. And they also put on some fantastic vaudeville with these um, amusing little satirical poems. There were some very, very good ones about lawyers and one in particular about a collegiate registrar. Oh, he was so near the knuckle. I mean, I wonder it got past the censor. As for merchants... The author says straight out that they are swindling everyone and that their sons lead a dissolute life but have thoughts of becoming members of the aristocracy. Well, that's absolutely true. There was a very witty couplet about the critics. Now, yes, that's right. He says, they do nothing but pull everything to pieces. And so the author says, might the audience give him their protection? <laughs> it's terribly amusing. Yes, a lot of very good plays being put on at the moment. Oh, I love the theatre. Long as I've got a kopeck in my pocket, you can't stop me. Oh. But these civil servants of ours, you think you'd see them there? God, the ignorant pigs. You'd never catch a single one of them going, even if you gave them the ticket for nothing. Oh, one of the actresses sang beautifully. You know, 
She reminded me a little of... Oh... Oh, I am a shock. I know. Silence. Enough of that. I think the less said about that, the better. Hmm? November the 9th. At eight o'clock, I set off for the office, as usual. The head of our department pretended he hadn't seen me. So, I played the same game, as if we were complete strangers, you know. I started checking and sorting through some documents, and at four o'clock, well, I organised my papers, and I left. (sighs) I passed the director's flat on my way home, but there didn't seem to be anybody in. After dinner, I, uh... Well, I just lay on my bed a very long time. November the 11th. Today, I sat in the director's office and sharpened 23 quills for him. And... For her. Four quills for Her Excellency. He loves having plenty of quills lying around, you know. He must have such a fine brain. He doesn't say very much, our director, but you can sense his mind is, you know, working the whole time. I'd like to know what goes on in that fine brain of his, you know. And I wonder, I wonder what he's thinking about. I, I wonder... What's it like to be one of those people who mill around with all their puns and court jokes? Yes, I wish I knew more about them. I wish I knew more about what goes on at that level of society. Often, I've thought about having a jolly good talk with His Excellency. Somehow, I'm always, well, stuck for words... Uh, I begin by saying it's cold or warm outside and and that's as far as I ever get. Oh, I would like to have a peep into their drawing room. All I ever manage is to see a glimpse of another door which is sometimes open and beyond that it leads off to another room. The luxury. Oh, the china and the mirrors. Oh, I would love to see that part of the house. Oh, what I would dearly love to see is that part of the house where Her Excellency... Yes, that's what I'd love to see. Her boudoir. With all those um, jars, little files, and such flowers. Oh, you don't even breathe. To see her dress lying there. More like air than a dress, you know? Oh, and just one little peep in her bedroom to see what... to see what wonders lie there. Oh, sheer paradise. More blissful than heaven. Oh, one glance at that little stool where she puts her tiny milky foot when she steps out of bed. And then over that tiny foot... The snowy white stocking that she starts pulling on. Oh, I say, never mind. (laughs) Never mind, enough about that. Um, uh, Today, today something suddenly dawned on me, which made everything very, very clear. I recalled the conversation I'd heard between the two dogs that day on Nevsky Prospect. I thought to myself, well, good. Now I'll find out what this is all about. Somehow, if I can get hold of those letters that passed between the two filthy little dogs, well, there's sure to be something in there. To be frank, once I came very, very close to calling Meji and saying, Meji, Meji, here go, listen, listen, Meji, 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 we're alone now. If you want, I'll shut the door so no one can see. You can tell me everything you know about the young lady. Who she is, what she's like. And I swear, I I won't tell a soul. But you know what that crafty little mutt did? She sort of 
stuck her tail between her legs and seemed to shrink to half her size, slunk quietly out through the door as though she'd heard nothing. You know, I'd suspected for quite some time that dogs are cleverer than human beings. Oh, yes. I was even convinced she could speak if she wanted to, but didn't, merely out of sheer cussedness. Yeah. No, dogs are, uh, are extraordinarily shrewd. Extraordinarily. They notice everything, every step you take. No, whatever happens... I shall go to the Zverkovs tomorrow and I will cross-examine Fideli. With any luck, I'll get my hands on all the letters that Medji wrote to her. <laughs> November the 12th. At two o'clock precisely in the afternoon, I set off with the firm intention of seeing Fideli and cross-examining her. Oh, I, I, I cannot stand the smell of cabbage, can you? At those shops along the Meshchanskaya, simply reek of the stuff. Ooh, what with the stench of that and the infernal pong coming from under the front doors of all the houses. Ugh. I held my nose and I frankly I ran for all I was worth. And if that's not bad enough, the beastly tradesmen let so much Soot and filth and smoke billow out of their workshops that it's quite impossible for any respectable gentleman to take a stroll these days. Well, when I reached the sixth floor, I stopped, composed myself, rang the bell. Now, quite a pretty-looking girl with tiny little freckles came and answered the door, and I recognised her as the same young girl I'd seen walking with the old lady under the umbrella that day. She blushed slightly, and straight away I realised the poor little dear needed a boyfriend. <laughs> what do you want? she said. I must have a talk with your dog, I replied. I mean, clearly the girl was quite stupid. Now, while I was standing there, the dog came out and started barking at me. Well, I tried to catch hold of her, but the nasty little bitch nearly sank her teeth into my nose. Well, <laughs> I'd spotted the basket in the corner and realised that was what I was after. So I ran straight over to it, rummaged around under the straw, and to my great delight, I pulled out a small bundle of papers. Now, huh, seeing this, that filthy little dog first bit me on the thigh, and then, when she sniffed around and discovered I'd taken the papers, she started whining and pawing me. But I said to her, no, my dear, goodbye, and I took to my heels. Well, the girl must have thought I was quite mad, because, uh, well, she looked scared out of her wits. When I arrived home, I intended to start work right away sorting out the papers, because I can't see that well any more by candlelight. But Mavra, Mavra, decided the floor needed washing. God, those bloody stupid Finns always take it into their heads to have a jolly good clean-up right at the most inconvenient times. So I decided to go for a walk and have a good think about what had happened earlier. Now, at last, I would find out every little detail of what had been going on. What was in their minds? Who was mainly behind it? And finally, I would get to the bottom of everything. Yes, those letters would tell all. Dogs are a very clever lot, I said to myself. They're well-versed in diplomacy, and therefore everything will be written down, including a description of the director and his private life. And of course, there'll be something about Ah, well now, well now, let's, let's get to it. Let's take a look. November 13th. Right then, let's have a look. Oh, the letter is quite legible. Although the handwriting does look a little bit doggy. Uh, let's see, dear Fidelio... Well, this letter is impeccably written... Punctuation is correct. Even the letter ye is in the right place. The head of our department can't put a letter together so well, even for all his telling us that he went to some university or other. Mm. 
Let's see what there is. Uh, dear Fidele, I think that sharing thoughts, feelings and experiences with another person is one of the greatest blessings in this life. Oh, ha, he's found that in some translation from the German. Oh, the name escapes me for a moment. Uh, I am speaking from experience, though I've never ventured further than our front door. Don't you think I lead a very agreeable life? My mistress, whom Papa calls Sophie, is passionately fond of me. Sophie. Oh, never mind, never mind. Uh, Papa often likes to fondle and stroke me. I take cream with my tea and coffee. Ah, ma chère, I really must tell you, I don't get any pleasure out of those large half-gnawed bones that our polecan likes guzzling in the kitchen. I only like bones from game birds, and then only if the marrow hasn't already been sucked out by someone else. Oh, dear, I've never read such rubbish. <laughs> if they didn't have anything better to write about. No, no, let's, uh, let's look at another page and see if we can't find something with a little bit more uh, sense in it. Uh, no, 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 no. I should be delighted to tell you about everything that goes on in our house. Aha. Ah, I've already mentioned... Ah, yeah, yeah, let's see. Yes, yes, my, 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 yes, my mistress Sophie was in a tizzy. She was getting dressed for a ball. I really don't understand, ma chère, what pleasure there is in going to these balls. Sophie comes home about six in the morning, and I can always tell from the poor dear's pale, thin look that she's had nothing to eat. I must confess that would be no life for me. If I didn't have woodcock done in sauce or... Roast chicken wings, I don't know what would become of me. Sauce goes very well with gruel, but you can't do anything with carrots or turnips or artichokes. Oh, goodness, so to hell with this. Oh, what nonsense. What trash. How fancy filling a letter with rubbish like that? Here I am, looking for spiritual nourishment, and all I get is this nonsense. No, no, let's skip another page and see if there's something better here. Ah, no, 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 no. Sophie was sitting... At a small table and sewing. Huh. Sophie was sitting at a small table and sewing. All of a sudden, a footman came into the room and said, Teplov! Ask him in, cried Sophie, and threw her arms around me. Ah, Meji Meji, she cried, if only you could see him. A guard's officer with brown hair and his eyes. What eyes? Black and shining bright as fire. Sophie ran up to her room. A minute later, in came a young gentleman with black whiskers. He went up to the mirror, smoothed his hair, and looked round the room. I snarled and settled down by the window. Soon, Sophie appeared and gaily curtsied as he clicked his heels. I really don't know what she can see in this Teplov. Why is she so crazy about him? Well, hold on. It strikes me there's something not quite right here. And how can a young court chamberlain like that sweep her off her feet? No, no, let's have a closer look. Uh, I think that if she can care for that court chamberlain, then she can just as easily feel the same for the civil servant who has a desk in Papa's study. <laughs> ah, ma chère, if only you knew how ugly he is. Just like a tortoise in a sack. Uh, hold on, hold on. What is this civil servant like? Uh, he has a very peculiar name. All the time he sits sharpening... Quills. His hair looks just like hay. Papa always sends him on errands instead of one of the servants. Damn it, I think that nasty little dog is referring to me. 
Who says my hair looks like hay? Um, Sophie, Sophie can't stop... Can't stop laughing when she looks at him. Oh, you damned little mutt! You're lying! Well, you've got a wicked tongue. As if I didn't know. You are jealous too. Oh, yes. And who's responsible for this? Why, the head of our department, of course. That man has vowed undying hatred for me and he does me harm whenever he has the chance. Let's see, though. There is one more letter, perhaps. Perhaps the explanation is there. Um, ma chère Fidele, please forgive me for being so long writing to you. The gentleman of the court comes every day now. Sophie is madly in love with him. Papa is in very high spirits. I even heard from Grigory, or one of our servants who sweeps the floor and seems to be talking to himself all the time, that uh, the wedding is going to be very soon. Papa is set on... Papa is set on marrying off Sophie, either to a... to a general or a court chamberlain. Or a colonel. Damnation! I can't read any more of this. Guys, always... Noblemen or generals. All the good things in this world go to gentlemen of the court or bloody generals. <gasps> People like me scrape around for a few crumbs of happiness. You know? Just as you're about to reach out to grasp them, along comes a nobleman or a General, to snatch them away. Well, I would like to be a general. Oh, yes. Not just to win her, no. No, I would like to be a general. So I could see them crawling around after me for a change. With all their puns and their high and mighty court jokes. Then I could tell them all to go to hell. Damn it. enough to make you weep. I took that stupid dog's letter and I tore it into tiny little bits. December 3rd. What twaddle! What tosh? I mean, it's impossible. How can it be a wedding? A wedding, for God's sake. I mean, listen, what if he is a gentleman of the court? It's only a kind of distinction conferred upon you, isn't it? It's not... Look, it's nothing you can see, is it? It's nothing you can touch with your hand. Look... A court chamberlain, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not believe that a court chamberlain has a third eye in the middle of his forehead, huh? or, or, or a nose made of gold, right? I mean, no, it's, it's just like mine, isn't it? It's like mine or anybody else's. He just, you know, uses it to sniff with or sneeze with or whatever, but not for eating or for coughing or... you. Know. Several times... I have tried to work out exactly what is the reason for these... Little differences. Right. Why am I just a titular councillor? Hmm? A titular councillor. Perhaps, perhaps I am really a count, right? Or a general, and maybe I am merely imagining I'm a titular councillor, right? Perhaps I really don't know who I am at all. This history has many, many examples of this kind of thing. Yes. There was one fairly ordinary man, no one you would call a gentleman or anything like that, simply a tradesman or even a serf. Suddenly, he discovered 
he was a great lord, or, or even a sovereign. Now, now, if a peasant can turn into someone like that, what would a nobleman become? I say, for example, I suddenly appeared <laughs> in a general's uniform, with an epaulette on my left shoulder, a blue sash across my chest. What then? Huh? <laughs> what tune would my beautiful young lady sing then? And what would Papa, our director, say? Oh, he's so ambitious. I've noticed he is a mason. No doubt about that. I mean, he pretends to be this, that and the other, but he only puts out two fingers when he shakes hands. <sighs> Surely, can't I be promoted to governor general or, or commissary or something like that this very minute? And I should like to know, why am I a titular councillor? Why precisely titular councillor, huh? December the 5th. I spent the entire morning reading the papers. Very strange things are happening in Spain. I read that the throne has been left vacant and the nobility are having a great deal of trouble choosing an heir, with the result that there is a lot of civil commotion. Well, now, this strikes me as very, very strange. How can a throne be vacated? They're saying some donna must succeed to the throne, but come on, that's impossible. A king must inherit the throne. And they say there is no king. But, I mean, there's a king all right. There must be a king somewhere. Now, it's my bet that he's in hiding in some obscure place. He must be somewhere, but I think for family reasons, or fears on the part of neighbouring powers. Yes, yes, France is very hostile at the moment. He is forced to stay in hiding. Or there may be another explanation. December the 8th. I was about to go to the office, but various reasons and considerations held me back. I just could not get this Spanish business out of my head. How can a woman inherit the throne? I mean, they wouldn't allow it. England, for a start, would not stand for it. And what's more, it would affect the whole of European policy. The Austrian emperor, our czar. I mean, I must confess, these events shook me up. In fact, they shook me up so much that I couldn't put my mind to anything else all day. Mavra pointed out, as she would, during supper, that I was uh, extremely absent-minded. And in fact, I'll be honest, in a fit of distraction, I did throw two plates on the floor and they smashed immediately and Mavra was none too happy about it. So I left. I had dinner and I left. I went for a walk. A long walk down a, a hill that didn't lead anywhere particularly interesting. I didn't... Uh, I didn't come to any very edifying conclusions, but when I came back home, I, I lay on my bed and I pondered this Spanish question. April 43rd, 2000. <laughs> Today is a day of great triumph. There is a king of Spain. He has been found at last. That king is me. <laughs> of course it's me. I've only discovered this now, but frankly, it came to me in a flash, and I cannot understand how I ever thought I was only a titular councillor. Now... I can't explain how such a ridiculous idea got into my head, but I am very pleased that the way ahead of me is now clear. Yes, everything is as bright as daylight. 
I don't really understand why. How can I put this? Before this royal revelation, everything seemed to have been enveloped, shall we say, in a kind of mist, a fog. And the whole reason for this, I now see, is that people are under a misapprehension about the nature of the brain. They seem to think the brain is located in the skull, when in fact the truth could not be more different. It is carried upon the wind from the Caspian Sea. Well, the first thing I did was to tell Mavra who I really was. Well, when she heard that the King of Spain was standing right before her, she wrung her hands and she almost died of fright. Oh, the stupid woman. She'd obviously never set eyes on a king. Well, I tried to calm her with a few well-chosen words, and, and I tried to reassure her that the uh, new sovereign was well-disposed towards her, even if she did often make a hash of polishing his boots. But what can you expect from the common herd, hmm? I mean, you can't converse with them about the higher things in life. Mavra was frightened because oh, she was sure all kings of Spain had to look like Philip II. But I did explain to her that there was absolutely no resemblance between me and King Philip. And I also told her that I didn't have a single capuchin friar under my sway. Didn't go to the office today. God, to hell with that. No, my friends, you won't tempt me now. I've had enough of copying out your filthy documents. Eighty-sixth of Martober, sometime between day and night. One of the administrative clerks called today. He said it was time I went to the office because I hadn't been there for three weeks. <laughs> so I went, you know, just for a joke. Well, the head clerk seemed to think I would bow to him and start apologising, but I just gave him a cool look. Not too hostile, but not too friendly either. I sat down at my desk as if uh, no one else existed. I looked at all that clerical scum and I thought, oh, if only you knew who was sitting in the same office with you. God, what a fuss you'd make. Even the head clerk himself would start bowing and scraping, just like he does when the director's there. They put some papers in front of me and I suppose I was meant to make an abstract. Well, I sat there, my friends, and I did not lift a finger. A few minutes later, everyone was rushing around like mad because they said, oh, the director was coming. Most of the clerks started jostling each other as they tried to be first to bow to him as he came in. But I, I did not budge. Everyone buttoned up his jacket as the director walked across the office, but I didn't make a move. Stand up when he comes in. Not a chance, never. So what? If he's a departmental director, he's just a he's a, he's a, he's a... he's a cork, isn't he? Not a director, he's a cork. He's like an ordinary common old garden cork, the, the, the kind you use for stopping up bottles. What tickled me more than anything else was, they shoved this paper in front of me and they expected me to sign, you know, in the place where it says, Clerk number so-and-so, but did I? Did I, hell? I signed in the large space at the bottom, normally reserved for the director's signature. With a flourish, I wrote, Ferdinand the Eighth. Now, the awed silence that descended was amazing. <laughs> but I merely waved my hand, and I said, oh, there's really no need for this show of loyalty. And I walked out. I went straight to our director's flat. Now, he wasn't at home, and the footman uh, didn't want to let me in at first, but what I said to him made his arms drop limply to his sides. I went straight to our director's flat. He wasn't at home, and the footman wouldn't let me in at first, but what I told him made his arms drop limply to his sides. I made my way straight to her boudoir. Now, she was sitting in front of the mirror, and she jumped up and stepped backwards when I entered. I didn't tell her, however, that I was the King of Spain. All I said was, happiness such as she had never imagined awaited her, and that we would be together, despite hostile plots against us. Then I thought I'd said enough, and I left. But Mark... 
how crafty these women can be. I'll tell you something. So far, no one has ever worked out exactly who women are in love with. But as I left that room, I realised it with great force. They are in love with the devil. I'm not joking. You know, physicians write a lot of nonsense saying, you know, they're, they're this and they're that and women. But the truth is, women are in love with the devil and no one else. Uh, think of it this way. You're at the theatre. You see that woman raising her silver lorgnette in the first tier of a theatre box. Do you really think she's looking at that fat man with a medal? No, 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 my friends. She is looking at the devil standing just behind his back. And now he's over there. Now he's there, now he's there, hiding in his frock coat and beckoning her with his bony finger. Oh, she'll marry him, that's for certain. And uh, and all those senior civil servants who curry favour everywhere they go, they aspire to be courtiers and uh, they insist they are patriots when all they bloody want is money from rents. Well, they'd sell their own mother or father or God for money, the crawlers, the insects, the Judases! And all this ambition, I hear tell, is caused by a tiny worm inside a bubble hidden under the tongue. Shh, 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 shh. Hidden under the tongue. It's about the size of a pinhead. And it's all the work of some barber or someone who has a grim little shop on Gorokovaya Street. Now, I can't remember his name for the moment, but one thing I'm sure of is that with the help of uh, an old midwife, that man is trying to spread Mahomedanism through the entire world. And I have heard tell that the entire population of France is already practising the faith. Shh. No date. The day didn't have one. I uh, walked in incognito down the Nevsky Prospect. His Imperial Majesty drove past. Well, you know, every single person doffed his hat. I followed suit because I didn't think it was right to give any indication yet that I was the King of Spain. No, I considered it improper, shall we say, to reveal my true identity right there in the middle of a crowd because, according to etiquette, I ought first to be presented at court. And so far, the only thing that has stopped me doing that is the lack of royal clothing. If only I could get hold of a, a cloak. I mean, I would have gone to a tailor, but God, they are such asses. Uh, what's more, they tend to get involved in their shady transactions, you know, neglecting their work, and yeah, most of them end up mending the roads, destitute, you know. So I decided to have a mantle made out of my new uniform, which, which I've only worn twice. In fact, I thought you want something done properly, do it yourself. So I decided that I would make it. <laughs> yeah. I shut myself up in my room so nobody would see. And I cut it all up with a pair of scissors I borrowed from Mavra. And the style, well, the style is completely different. I don't remember the date, and there wasn't any month either, or if there was, I'm damned if I remember what it was. The cloak is ready now. <laughs> Mavra the silly cow screamed when she saw it. God, dear. Now, I still can't decide whether to present myself at court or to wait for a deputation, because so far, no deputation has arrived from Spain. And I... You know, I think it would be contrary to etiquette to go on my own. It would detract from my dignity. But anyway, I'm expecting them any minute now. Astonished, the deputation is so slow in coming. Whatever can have held them up? Could it be France? 
Yes, yes, I'm sure it is France. She is extremely hostile at the moment. Now, I went to the post office to see if there was any news from the Spanish deputation, but the postmaster was extremely stupid and, frankly, rude. He said he knew nothing about it. No, he said, no Spanish deputation has uh, arrived, but if you care to send a letter, it will be dispatched in the normal manner. Uh, to hell with that, I thought. Letters, frankly, are trash. Only uh, chemists write letters, don't they? <laughs> Madrid, 30th of Februarius. So, I am in Spain. It all happened so quickly, I hardly knew what was going on. This morning, the Spanish deputation arrived and I got into a carriage with them. Now, we drove very, very fast. It struck me as most peculiar, because, in fact, we went at such a cracking pace, we were at the Spanish border within half an hour. But then... There are railways across Europe now, and of course ships can move extremely fast. Strange country, though, Spain. Very strange. In the first room I entered, there were a lot of people with shaven heads. However, I guessed that these must either be grandees or soldiers, as uh, they're in the habit of shaving their heads over there. But the way one of the government chancellors treated me was... Peculiar in the extreme. He took me by the arm and he pushed me into a tiny room saying, Sit there and don't move and if you call yourself King Ferdinand one more time I'll thrash that bloody nonsense out of you! But I realised that this was some sort of test. So I refused to stay quiet for which the Chancellor struck me very painfully three times and I nearly cried out. But... <laughs> But I controlled myself because I realised that this must be normal procedure with Spanish knights when they initiate someone into a very high rank. Because even now, I am aware that the code of chivalry is still maintained in this particular country. Well, left on my own, I decided to get down to government business. I have discovered uh, that China and Spain are one and the same country. Now, if you don't believe me, try this. Try writing the word China. You try. You try writing it, you end up writing Spain. Don't believe me? Try it for yourself. <gasps> now, something much more important then came to my attention. I have heard tell that there is a strange event due to take place at 7 o'clock tomorrow. The Earth is going to land on the moon. Um... Yes, an, an account of it has been written by the owl, uh, the, the Englishman, the celebrated uh, chemist, Wellington. Yes, yes, I confess I felt deeply troubled at this news. I mean, I considered how unusually delicate and insubstantial the moon actually is. I mean, the moon, as everyone knows, is manufactured in Hamburg and they make, frankly, a complete hash of it. You know, it's, I'm surprised the English don't do something about it, to be honest. Yes, it's manufactured by a, a crippled Cooper or someone, and it's obvious that he has no idea what it should be made of. The materials he uses are uh, tarred rope and linseed oil, uh, which is why there's such a terrible stink all over the earth, and it <laughs> explains why we're all stopping up our noses. <laughs> oh, oh, and it also explains why we can't see our noses anymore. You see, the moon is a very delicate sphere. And people can't live there, but noses, noses can. And they're all on the moon. And when I reflected how heavy the earth is, and that our noses might be ground into the surface when it lands, I was so worried, I, I, uh, I hurried into the state council room. I instructed the police not to let the earth land on the moon. The grandees with their shaven heads... A wonderful lot. The council chamber was chock full of them. They are very clever. As soon as I told them, gentlemen, let us save the moon, because the earth intends landing there, every last one of them absolutely fell over himself to carry out my royal wish, and many of them, dear men, were climbing up the walls to try to reach the moon. But just at that moment, then came the mighty Chancellor. Well, everyone fled when they saw him. But being the king... I stood my ground. I stayed where I was. But to my astonishment, the Chancellor struck me with his stick and drove me back into my room, which 
just shows you how strong this tradition really is in Spain. January in the same year falling after February. Up to this time, Spain had been somewhat of a mystery to me. Their native customs, their court etiquette are really most peculiar. I do not, I really do not understand them. This morning, when they came in and poured freezing cold water over my head, I shrieked as loud as I could. I mean, what do these strange customs mean? Foolish, the idiotic... And the utter stupidity of these kings who have still not abolished the tradition absolutely defeats me. I mean, <sighs> Wait a minute. Wait one minute. <sighs> After everything that's happened to me... Do you know, I think I'm safe in hazarding a guess. That I have fallen into the hands of the Inquisition. Person I thought was a minister of state is really the Grand Inquisitor himself. No, 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 no. I, no, I, I still don't understand how even kings can be subjected to the Inquisition. I, oh, 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 of course, it could be France. It could be France. It could be France putting them up to it. And I mean, you know who? Polignac, in particular. Yeah, what a swine he is. He's sworn to have me done away with. The whole time he's persecuting me, but I know very well, my friend, that you are led by the English. The English are acute politicians and they worm their way into everything. Yeah, the whole world knows that when England takes snuff, France sneezes. The 25th. Today the Grand Inquisitor came into my room, but as soon as I heard his footsteps, I hid under the table. When he saw I wasn't there, he started calling out. First he shouted, Popperishchin! I didn't say a word. Then, Accent Ivanov! Titular councillor, nobleman! Still, I didn't reply. Ferdinand VIII, King of Spain! Well, I was in half a mind to stick my head out, but I, I, I thought better of it. No, my friend, I thought you cannot fool me. I know only too well you're going to pour that cold water over my head again. But he spotted me all the same, and he drove me out from under the table with his damn stick. God, it was painful. But my next discovery was that every cock has its spain tucked away under its feathers, and it made up... But my next discovery was that every cock has its spain tucked away under its feathers and it made up for all my torments. Oh, the Grand Inquisitor left in a very bad mood indeed and he threatened me with some sort of punishment. But I didn't care a rap about his helpless rage because I knew full well that he was functioning merely as a machine a tool of the English. There's that 34th of February. I don't think I have the strength to endure this any longer. I... Good God. God, what are they doing to me? Pouring cold water over my head again. They don't heed me. They don't see me. They don't seem to, uh, to listen to me. I mean, what have I done to them? Why do they torture me so? What can they want from a miserable wretch like me? What can I offer them when I have nothing of my own? Oh, my head is sore and burning. I feel like everything's spinning round. 
Oh, are you Katarina save me? Take me away. Oh, give me a troika with horses swift as the whirlwind. Climb up, driver. Let the bells ring and soar away, horses. Carry me from this world. <laughs> further, further where nothing can be seen. Nothing at all. Over there, where the sky whirls round and a little single star shines in the distance. The forest rushing past with its dark trees below and the moon shining above. A deep blue haze spreading beneath me like a carpet. <laughs> About a like string twangs in the distance there. Oh. On one side, look, is the sea and the other is Italy. And over there... Oh, I can see Russian peasant huts. My house. That's my house, dimly blue in the distance. Oh, is that my mother in the window? Yeah, mother. Mother, save your poor son, will you? Shed a tear on his aching head. See how they're torturing him. Oh, Mama, press a wretched orphan to your breast. There's no place for him in this world. They're persecuting him. Oh, Mama, have pity on your poor child. <laughs> Mama, <laughs> did you know? The Prince of Algiers has a tiny little lump right under his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Nikolai Gogol's Diary of a Madman Adapted by Jason Moore And read by Matthew Dewar First performed at the Pleasant Theatre London Recorded at Unity Studios And engineered by Carlos Siccarelli For the Wireless Theatre Company Produced by Jack Bowman and Marielle Ronecker Temple. Visit wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk for more audio downloads. <laughs>